Hello and welcome to episode 22 of your monthly Leader Breeder podcast with myself and your host, Aidan Jeffrey. Leader Breeder podcast is a leadership podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your leadership voice in order to deliver greater value in your life, career, ministry, and business. In today's episode, or in this month's episode, we're going to have a look at From Demon to Drunkard, the leadership dilemma every leader will face. Now, listen, the good news is we're not talking about demons, and we're not speaking about alcohol. But the title of our message today, you don't want to miss it, for this month, From Demon to Drunkard, the leadership dilemma every leader will face. As a leader, when you make decisions, you always are going to have two camps, two sides to every decision you make, and you have to get used to that. What you'll find in this episode is we're going to discover a few keys to help you to understand that no matter when you make a decision, you're never going to satisfy everybody through your decision making. But leaders make decisions. That's what makes you a leader. That's what makes you stand out from the rest. That is what makes the economy turn around. That's what make, makes people make decisions. Leaders make decisions. And you have to stand by your decision. Even if it's wrong, even if it's right, you make a decision. And we're going to look at that in this month's episode. Super excited to be with you. Listen, if you haven't followed us on our social media platforms, Leader Breeder, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the different platforms, please do yourself a favor. Follow that. Keep up with what's happening. A whole lot of new content being released this year again. And thank you to everybody who has subscribed and is uh, faithfully listening and developing their own voices, investing in themselves through this free resource. Leaderbreederworld.com, the website, if you haven't yet gone onto that, go onto that. A whole lot of free courses to help you develop your leadership voice. I believe there is a leadership crisis in the world today. and We have to continue raising up leaders. The purpose of a leader, not just followers, the purpose of a leader is another leader. The purpose of a business is not just profit and money, but another business. And so if you understand the importance of leadership development, that is why society is hinged successfully or it fails based upon the amount of leaders that are in society that have integrity, that have courage, that have boldness. And I know that you are one of those leaders God is busy raising up. So come on, let's get straight into this month's episode. Episode 22, From Demon to Drunkard, The Leadership Dilemma Every Leader Will Face. I'll see you on the other side of this. Well, episode 22, our monthly Leader Breed episode, From Demon to Drunkard, The Leadership Dilemma Every Leader Will Face. I want to have a look at this month at a, not a creative angle, something the Lord has placed on my heart the last while, and I want to share a few leadership concepts from Matthew eleven sixteen. and I want to read from the Passion Translation. The Bible says this, How could I describe the people of this generation? You're like children playing games on the playground yelling at their playmates. You don't like it when we want to play wedding, and you don't like it when we want to play funeral. You neither dance nor mourn. Why is it that when John came to you, neither feasting nor drinking wine, you said, he has a demon in him? Yet, when the Son of Man came and went to feasts and drank wine, you said, look at this man. He's nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all of his time with tax collectors and other sinners. But God's wisdom will become visible by those who embrace it. Love that final statement of Jesus. But God's wisdom will become visible by those who embrace it. Now, our title, From Demon to Drunkard, as you can pick up in that scripture verse, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, the opinionated people of society in Jesus' time, when John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, was a precursor to his ministry, Jesus says, you know, leading, making a decision or 
um, doing something that stands out from the marketplace, leaders, when they make decisions, there's always going to be two camps. And I want to look at a few thoughts from the scripture verse to help you to understand that sometimes whenever you are a leader, you make decisions and there's pushback from your decisions. The first thing you want to think of or the enemy sometimes wants to tell you is you've made a wrong decision or the decision you've made is going to fail. And I don't say every decision you'll make is going to be accurate or correct. But what I want to encourage you with is that leaders make decisions. And so a few keys in this month's episode from our title, our creative title from demon to drunkard, because they said John had a demon and they said Jesus was a drunkard. So whichever way you want to dissect that, that statement of Jesus, you'll find that no matter which way you look at it, they're always going to have two opinions. So number one, leadership decisions will always bring out two opinions. I want you to know that in this episode this month. Leadership decisions will always bring out two opinions. You're never going to satisfy both sides of a group of people or uh, membership in your church or staff or customer bases or whatever it is. As a politician, the people that follow your political party, whatever it is. You're never going to satisfy both, part, both, both parties. But you must be aware that leadership decisions will always bring out two opinions. Those who agree those who disagree. Now, as easy as that sounds, you go, well, that's common sense. I understand that. But when sometimes the disagreeing side is larger than the agreeing side, it can sometimes be, think, well, have I made a mistake? You know, it's a lonely road out here, and I'm not sure. Should I reverse my decision? Should I back off from my decision? And sadly, many people do. Now, again, I'm not saying being stubborn and being defiant and being independent and being isolated and being a rebel, making decisions that, you know, just only for yourself. But I'm speaking about when you make a leadership decision as a business owner, in your corporate career, as a, as a husband, as a wife, in your family, those are all leadership decisions. When you make decisions for your children, you might have a few children, you make a decision, some of them agree with your decision, and some don't. Some throw a tantrum, some, some say, yes, dad, yes, mom. Others go scream and shout and throw a tantrum. And you'll notice that when Jesus says, um, to this group of people, how do I describe or how could I describe the people of this generation? So every generation, no matter what era you live in, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago and that generation was opinionated. Today, more so than ever with social media, generations are opinionated. There's a, the keyboard warriors, the, those that sit behind their keyboards. I mean, I'm always amused that when I watch these, some of these, um, you know, Creative videos, people put up a dog that was, you know, uh, found on the side of the road and the dog was, um, you know, deserted or left left to die. And somebody finds this dog and puts a bit of emotional music to it. Now, yes, it is emotional and it is amazing to see how the dog experiences love and finds transformation and they eventually they find a home for the dog and the story always ends happily and you go, wow, what a great little video. But I'm amazed. I mean... The intentions are just, it's love, it's, it's goodness, it's kindness. And yet, off go the keyboard warriors. This is ridiculous. A, B, C, D, E. And you get always just get those negative Nellies. They just want to throw out their opinions because they can. I mean, they're not, in, they're not invested in the story. They didn't spend an ounce of effort to save the dog. They didn't do anything. They're not even going to be affected by the outcome of the dog. If the dog lives or the dog dies, they're not affected by it at all. Yet, no, off goes the opinion. And what you have to learn and understand is that when you are a leader and you make decisions, there are always going to be two camps. Every generation will be opinionated. 
And Jesus goes on to say, he says what? And he goes on to say, you're like children playing games on the playground, yelling at their playmates. I mean, have you ever seen a bunch of kids playing on the playground? I mean, we were young. I was young once and I used to play on the playground. I mean, you don't get your way or you don't get selected for the team that you think you should be on when they choose the soccer team or whatever at break time and, you know, you're going to choose the two sides and they say, you on my side, you on my side. And no matter which way you, you, you cut that cloth, there's always going to be two camps, two sides. And so Jesus says, his generation was like children playing games in the playground, yelling at their playmates. What do they say? You don't like it when we want to play wedding. And you don't like it when we want to play funeral. You'll neither dance nor mourn. So what he was saying was that when the generation before him had John the Baptist, and John came with a message, and John came with leadership decisions, and John baptized people, and John had a, 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 a ministry, and John did things, leaders, he led in his generation. He says, you guys jumped up and down and screamed like a bunch of children. You said, this guy is a demon. And Jesus says, this guy never ate or offended you with your Jewish food, and your Jewish customs. This guy never drank wine. This guy didn't cross the line of your religious acts. He says, yet you labeled him. You called him a demon. He says, now that John has stepped aside and my ministry has begun, and I'm starting to do things the way I see fit as a leader. Because what is Jesus doing? Bible says, you criticize me because I'm eating with sinners. I'm sitting with people that aren't Jews. I'm eating non-kosher food. I'm drinking wine. And I'm calling myself a priest or a rabbi. And now you say, I'm a drunkard. And you say, I'm a glutton. So what a, what, what's up with you people? When John made a decision, you criticized. Now, when I make a decision, you criticize. You can't satisfy you people. He says, you're like a bunch of children. And I don't say today, you are a child. I don't say everybody that has an opinion is a child. But very often, you'll notice. I mean, think back about us as a nation, as a, as a population on the, on the planet in COVID. I mean, a few years ago. Uh, not that I want to take us back there. But think about the decisions that were made. Now, agree, disagree. I mean... We can all have our opinions about what happened, but when the president of our country made a decision and said, stay in your homes, I mean, there was opinions. And as frustrating as what it was, and the guy made a decision. So now, two camps. We should be out of our houses. We don't believe in the vaccination. We believe in the vaccination. We think it's this. We think it's that. You're never always going to get two opinions. And what you have to decide, or what you have to realize is as a leader, it's going to be a dilemma. And if you are swayed very easily by the pressure or the opinions of people, you're never going to become a leader of influence. You're always going to become a leader that's going to change his mind. And you're going to, you know, turn, turn around on the decisions you've made. And I want to say to you, I don't, if a successful leader, I do believe, or a strong leader, I do believe, if you've made a mistake, you realize your mistake, to have the ability to say, listen, I saw it this way, I made a mistake, and I'm going to change my viewpoint on it. That's also a great leadership trait. However, sometimes when you make a decision and you are fully persuaded by your decision, but the pushback from the people is not always nice, you have to stand by your decision. Why? Because leaders will make decisions and people will either call you a demon on your decision today and a drunkard on your one tomorrow. Praise him. They said to Jesus at one time, throw palm branches. The savior of the world has arrived. Next week, crucify him. What a terrible person. Let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. That's what leaders will face all the time. You have to understand that. 
So leadership decisions, number one, we looked at, will always bring about two opinions, those who agree and those who disagree. Number two, the response of the public are often like children not getting their way. Mentioned that earlier. So remember, when people, when you start experiencing pushback and you've done your homework or you've done your research or you are persuaded that this is the right decision for this situation, for this moment, remember, the responses of the people are going to be like children not getting their way. Jesus said, you're like children on the playground, screaming at each other, not getting your way. Because when you played wedding songs, you said, no one wants to dance with me. Now, when you played funeral songs, you said, no one wants to mourn with me. What do people want? You're never satisfied. So again, as a parent, as a leader in my family, I've got three children and I've had to take them to the process, but I can guarantee you decisions I've made over the years on behalf of my family haven't always gone down well. I mean, simple things like, you know, not eating sweets or not eating junk, too much junk food, eating vegetables and, and healthier food. It's going to get reactions. Why? Because it's nice to eat all the junk stuff because it just, it's nicer, but it's not always good for you. And that's what leaders do as a pastor in a church, leading people in ministry. You make decisions and it doesn't always go down well. Some people end up leaving the church. Some people love you for your decisions. And you have to understand that the response of people when leaders make decisions are not always going to be like adults. Sometimes they're going to act like children not getting their way. Number three, the opinions about a leader's decision are never really about the leader and the decisions, but about the inconvenience it sometimes causes the follower. And so you'll find when you start to understand leadership, when you make a decision, sometimes the pushback you get from the people, it's not really about you or about the, the decision you've made, but it's about the inconvenience that the person who it is affecting is causing them. And so they don't want to change. They don't want to be inconvenienced. They want to stay in the routine of either their comfort when you stretch your staff or you stretch your members of your church to go further, go higher, you know, do um, be more that they can be, see more potential in them. They don't like it. It's like when the overweight person realizes they're not in a good space with their health and they want to change their, their lifestyle. That initial getting into gym, changing that bad habit from sleeping late to eating bad food or, you know, what caused them to gain that weight was just comfort and convenience. And now you're saying to them, change, get rid of that fat and get into the gym and put on some tackies and go, go exercise. And they're used to that. And it's, it's, it's common sense. But the reality of the fact is that sometimes when you get pushback, it's not really about you. And you can take it personal and say, well, people don't like me. It's not really about if they like you or don't like you. It's about the fact that your decision is inconveniencing them. And they don't want to change. There's a statement I always share with the church that healthy things grow and growing things change and change challenges us. So as a leader, you can never allow any organization, staff, uh, whatever it is, if you, whatever you are responsible over, you're, you could be a, a supervisor in an organization, you could be leading a segment of the staff, but you're going to nev never allow anything to become complacent and dormant. Think about your garden. I mean, you don't put a seed into the ground and then the plant starts to grow and you say, well, I'll be satisfied. Let's assume it's an apple tree. And you know the apple tree has to grow to a certain size, water, height. It's going to bear a lot of apples in the years to come. But halfway 
to the size of the apple tree's potential, you say, well, I think, yeah, I think you've reached your potential. Let's just camp here. No, we know that, that apple tree is not only going to has been nurtured to grow, and that's what leaders do. They nurture new leaders and they make them grow. But in order for them to see the what? The full potential of their ability to bear apples. And even when that tree bears apples, we have to understand every year we prune that tree. Every year we push that the, the, the branches that are growing skew, we cut them back a bit when it's winter, summer, and we allow that that uh, apple tree to produce fruit, to bear fruit year in and year out. So not only do you have to nurture that tree to its full maturity, but then you have to ensure that that tree keeps on bearing apples year in and year out. That's leadership. And I can guarantee you, it's never nice when someone's in a rut or someone's in a comfort zone or someone's in a place of, of just you know habits. I mean, think about COVID again. I mean, people got into such bad habits because we had to work from home. And... I'm a very outspoken you know, leader on technology, digitization, the impact it's having. I spoke to a business guy just this week again, and he said to me that he had a very rough 2023. And I said to him, what are some of the reasons? And he gave me a few reasons. And I, the first question I asked him was, in digitization online, he said, yes, it does affect us. So again, I'm, there's, a, there's, a, there's a conversation and a place for that. Now, believe you me, when I speak about digitization, I get two camps. I get the camp who hates technology and says, this guy has lost his mind. Then I get the camp who loves technology and doesn't like the physical and say, you know, the physical is going to disappear. And I often have to say, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're all going to disappear, but I'm saying it will disrupt and it will affect. But believe you me, when you write a book or you publish a blog or you put out a statement on, in social media, it's going to form two camps, two opinions. Now, you can be a cynical leader or a, you know, rebellious leader and just do stuff to get responses. That's not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about the fact that very often the pushback you get from people, it's not because of you per se, it's because your decision is inconveniencing them. And again, you know, the end result, the lo- the, 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 the long-term result of your dis- initial decision is only going to make sense later on. So you have to push through that inconvenience. You have to push through that pushback in order to get them to see the benefits of why you made that decision and what is going to be the benefit of the decision for everybody who follows your ministry or who follows your business or whatever it might be. So be aware of that, that the opinions about a leader's decision are not really about the leader and their decisions, but about the inconvenience it causes the follower. And leaders, believe you me, are always going to be disruptive and cause inconvenience in people's basic routines of life. And again, I say, I'm not saying always disrupt. I'm not saying chop and change every three seconds. What I'm saying is that be aware that when you make decisions, be aware the two camps and the inconvenience is going to cause. And those that are inconvenienced are going to, are going to moan the, the loudest. Off to HR. We got two emails from so-and-so. They say they're not happy. Well, again, do we now stop the whole new project or stop the direction change of the company or shifting emphasis in something in the, in the internal workings of the company because of two people that are inconvenienced? <laughs> no, definitely not. We don't do that. We allow those people to, we help them through it. We can sit and speak to them and say, get them to understand. And once they understand it, all you're getting, get understanding. Sometimes there's just that initial misunderstanding and not the person that's bad. But the other times it's just, this person just doesn't want to change. They're stubborn. And sometimes you have to get rid of people in order to eradicate that blockage that's causing the, the forward momentum of the organization. So, number four, be aware 
that any leadership decision will be criticized or questioned. However, never let the opinions of people deter you from making a decision. Now, I want to say that as well. Sometimes leaders, you know, we get criticized all the time for making decisions or you get criticized for not making decisions. You know, um, there's an old adage that says excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. And yes, it is. So when you keep making excuses as a leader, people will say to you, well, you know, your excuses are just crutches. Of the, you're not committed enough. You must da, da, da. And then you get that side. Then when you make a decision, they say, you're a rebel. You made that decision in rebellion. And you go, but I thought you said two months ago that excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. When I didn't make a decision, you criticized me. Now that I make a decision, you criticize me. So my point is exactly what Jesus said. He said, it's like children playing in the playground. When John the Baptist was here, you said he had a demon. Now that I'm here, you call me a drunkard. What do you want? You're never satisfied with any person who makes a decision. doesn't matter what they stand for. And that's what leadership leaders have to understand is when you make a decision, it's never always going to get everyone's approval. You're always going to get pushback and disagreement. And you have to understand that and accept that and keep moving forward with what you believe you want you with the decision you've made. So you should never let the opinions of people deter you from making a decision. And that's what I want to encourage you with. Because sometimes you make a decision and you stand strong and you, you know, you've got a backbone of steel and you're now resilient and you're proving your leadership worth. But the next time you want to make a decision, you're a little bit more cautious now because you're going, I'm not sure if I want to go through all of that, you know, frustration again, or all of that criticism or that criticism wasn't nice and I didn't like it. And so I'm just going to back off. And what the enemy often wants to do is he wants you to get you to a place of making no decision because when a leader doesn't make a decision, he's now no longer a leader He's now a follower or he's now a, uh, a sort of a, an afraid leader. Always in you, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. But what you have to decide is, even though I took some shots, I took some knocks in life, the hard knocks of life, I'm a leader and leaders make decisions. But never let the opinions of people deter you from making decisions and future decisions. I'm reminded as I speak to you now about Paul the Apostle who writes to Timothy, and Timothy's taken over the biggest church in Ephesus and Paul's in prison for his faith. And John Mark gets to hear that Paul wants to quit or Timothy wants to quit because Nero, the ruler of Rome at the time, sent out a decree to say, we want the head of every Christian and especially that pastor leader in this church, Timothy. If you can catch him, bring him here. We want to put him in prison. So what's Timothy do? He panics. So Timothy wants to run away. He wants to quit. He wants to you know, sort of shut the doors of the church. Like when COVID came, you had two camps. Open the church, close the church. Uh, it's unsafe. It's safe. You're never going to satisfy both parties. We had members inbox us in COVID to say, you guys are irresponsible opening the churches. We had other members in the same, the same day email us to say, what are you afraid of? We people of faith, open the churches. And again, you have to make decisions. And sometimes they're not always right. So Paul writes to Timothy, John Mark says, hey, Paul, we've got a challenger. Timothy wants to quit. So what does Paul do? He writes Timothy a letter. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. The two letters that you read in your Bible are letters from Paul to Timothy to encourage this young leader to make decisions. And what does he say to him? 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says what? He says, Paul or Timothy, I'm reminded of the faith that is in you when your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, when they laid their hands on you. He says, let me remind you who you are. Let me remind you that you're a leader. So what does he do? He says, I want to encourage you, stir up the gift of God that's in you. So what happens to leaders is that gift becomes full of dust. It becomes full of fear. It becomes full of doubt. It becomes full of 
of disillusionment or despondency or pressure just builds and you go, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I'm a leader anymore. And you start to question yourself. And then a leader who's actually in a much worse situation than you called Paul, who's in prison for his faith, he writes you a letter and says, hey, think of me. I'm in chains here. I'm in a much worse situation. You're free, man. You can still have church. You can still, you're in a little bit of pressure from Nero because, hey, listen, I'm already being caught. He goes, let me remind you the responsibility you carry. The church of Jesus Christ is in your hands, Timothy. You can't sit down now and quit. There's people waiting on the other side of your leadership decisions. You have to wake up in the morning, get dressed, and off you go to the office. We're going to have another day today. Yeah, but yesterday we had a terrible day. Well, that's fast, forgetting which is behind. We're not in yesterday. We're looking and leaning to what is ahead. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. So we're always looking ahead. Paul the Apostle writes in Philippians chapter 3, he says, forgetting which is behind. You don't live in yesterday. That's why your rearview mirror on your car is a lot smaller than your windscreen. Because if you keep looking behind you, you're going to, you know, live backwards. So you have to look through the windscreen. Look ahead. What's what's what 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 are the what are the, the possibilities here? How can we solve this problem? If I surround myself with two or three other people, not just these four negative Nellies that are trying to vomit on me all the time with their little opinions because my decisions have inconvenienced them, and beware of that. You know, that person who comes into your office and brings you a chocolate cake and says to you, I just want to, I was thinking of you, but actual fact there's sometimes, I'm not all the time, sometimes there's a motive. You know, I just want to sway you to a little bit of sugar and, uh, you know, wait to a man's hardest through his stomach. And now you caught between a rock and a hard place. You now can't execute your decision because this person has now, you know, pushed you into a corner with a chocolate cake. And I don't say it critically again. I say, <laughs> um, be aware of sometimes the people that, will sing your praises, but they're actually singing your praises to limit you or to control you. And the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so does a friend sharpen the countenance of his friend by sometimes telling them the truth. And we don't always like it, but we can't always see our blind spots. And a good friend will sometimes, in love, show you your blind spot. And when you see your blind spot and you realize, hey, listen, that guy meant well, and you can come back and say, listen, I appreciate what you said to me. I didn't like it at the time. But I've thought about it and I realized you're right. I must change. And then you change. And that's what makes great leaders great is the ability to hear, listen, and bring about change. And other times say, I heard what you said, but I'm very sorry. I, this is what I believe is right. And I'm going to stick with this. And you stick with it. And that's what makes you also a great leader. So never allow the decisions of people to deter you from making a decision. Number five, make a decision. Even if it's wrong, make one. Now, let me clarify that. I'm not saying make wrong decisions all the time. I'm saying the leadership dilemma is that some people will call you a demon. Some people will call you a drunkard. Some people will call you the savior. Some people will call you Beelzebub. They call Jesus the savior and they call him Satan. So you were always had two camps. But what I want to encourage you with in this month's episode is a leader makes a decision. So make a decision. Even if it's wrong, make one. Because what does the Bible tell us in Romans chapter 8? that all things shall work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So I've made many decisions throughout my life and many have been wrong. I've made many decisions and many have been right. And then at times I've made no decisions and I wished afterwards I should have made one, but I didn't. So you're never going to get this right, but we are led by the Spirit of God. And I say to you today, make a decision. If you're facing a situation right now, don't allow procrastination to trap you into a place of another six months, another year. Make a decision. 
even if it's wrong or even if it seems wrong to those that are been affected by your decision or even if it seems wrong to those who are inconvenienced by your decision, make one. I'm reminded of that story in 2 Kings chapter 7 and it's a, a great story that I often share with people. Leadership attributes you can, we can learn from scripture. And 2 Kings 7 verse 3 in the, in, in, in the message translation says this. It says it happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. They said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. And if they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up, went to the camp of Aram. When they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys, and the whole camp just as it was, running for dear life. These four lepers entered the camp and went into a tent. First they ate and drank, and then they grabbed silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid it. Then they came back and entered one another's tent and looted it, and again hiding their plunder. Finally they said to one another, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. So they went and called out to the city gate telling what had happened. We went to the camp of the Aram and surprised the place was deserted. Not a soul, not a sound. Horses and donkeys left tethered and tents abandoned just as they were. The gatekeepers got the word to the royal palace, giving them the whole story. Roused in the middle of the night, the king told his servants, Let me tell you what Aram has done. They knew that we were starving, so they left camp and have hid in the field, thinking, When we come out of the city, we'll capture them alive and take the city. Now, initially the king doubted, and when they went and checked it out, the story concludes and says that they eventually got there and it was empty. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, yes, four leprous men. These guys are being cast out. Leprosy in those days was a disease that you can't come into contact with a human and there was no cure for leprosy so when you got leprosy you were discarded you were thrown out the city walls and you were left to die so they're sitting here with the situation now sometimes when you face business decisions or life decisions it could seem like you have leprosy like you are sick in a certain situation your situation could be sick and you've got a few options here what was what, what is the options they said to one another? What are we doing sitting here at death's door? Because sometimes when you're facing challenges, it seems like death is looming. The death of a business, the death of a marriage, the death of a relationship, whatever it is, the death of your finances. And these guys said, what are we doing just sitting here, allowing death just to brood around us? That's what happens through procrastination. Is you sit and you let that thing fest and it just gets worse and worse. So in actual fact, by the time you get to the doctor, he says, man, if you just came... The first day when you had the cut, we could have treated it and would have been solved in two weeks. Now it's become a big mess and we have to start talking about amputation and suddenly this whole thing escalates into something totally worse just because we procrastinated. So they said to one what are we doing sitting here? If we enter the famine struck city, we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. Let's take our chances. Now, again, I say, let's take our chances. These guys did not have an initial solution. So the options were that they cast out by their own people. So they said, okay. We can't go back into the city we've been cast out because we've got leprosy. If we sit here, 
we're going to die. So we can't go back. Option one, we can't go back. Option two, if we sit here, we're just going to die. Option three is, let's then go over to the enemy's camp. And if they kill us, we were going to die in any case. We'll just die sooner. But if we throw, if we ask them for mercy, they could perhaps take us in and we could have some form of life after this. So let's take our chances. So what do they do? They make a decision. And they decide option three is our decision. Now, did they know? Why didn't they go back and cry for mercy in their own town? Well, they, they, they could have. Why didn't they just sit there and wait? Perhaps they would have been healed from the leprosy. They could have. But why they decided to go to the, the enemy's camp? And the risk was much higher because they're not from those people. They're not from the same tribe. They could have been killed. But what did they do? They made a decision. And the Bible says, but the Lord had caused them to hear the sound of horses and chariots. Now, now to him who is able, God is always partnering with his children. When you make a decision, God is with you in that decision. And sometimes when you look at your situation and you think to yourself, the situation is never going to work out because of your, 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 your physical understanding or your circumstances at the time. But God is always one step ahead. The Bible says, and the Lord caused these people to think and to hear. There was no, there was four leprous guys walking down a road. But when they walked, their steps sounded like chariots and horses and thunder. And sometimes we don't even realize that the Spirit of God who's in us and the angelic hosts that have been assigned to our lives and the spiritual realm, our battle's not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the outer darkness. Sometimes you're walking into a situation and God has already caused fear in the hearts of those people that are causing you resistance or causing you setback, and you don't even know it. Why? Because God has always wants their bed. And so when you, when they arrived at the camp, they said, there's no one here. So initially they thought, well, hey, we've arrived, and they realized, no, this is, this is not going to work. So they go back to the camp eventually, convince the king. The king goes and investigates, checks. It's true. These four guys have come onto a, a find that they were themselves with armies and chariots, this whole city, this whole nation that had armies and trained soldiers were too afraid to go and attack these people. These four leprous guys, because of a decision, turns the whole situation around. And what happens? They suddenly get welcomed back and they get put in the king's palace. But I thought you guys had leprosy. Yeah, sure. But we made a decision and the decision has, was worked out for the good. And now our whole life has changed. So I want to say to you as well, never sit back and wait for something to happen. Now, sometimes we have to wait, those that wait upon the Lord. I do understand that. But waiting is not a passive waiting. It's maybe while you're waiting before you pull the trigger on the decision, you've done a bit of research, you've done homework, you're speaking to people, you're in counsel, whatever it might be. And then when you pull the trigger, to some people it looks like it's a quick decision or it's, a, it's an impulsive decision. But you've been doing your research for three, four, five years, three, four, five months, whatever the case may be. But leaders will eventually have to face this situation, make a decision, even if it's wrong. Now, these guys made one, didn't know what the outcome was, and it turned out good. Other times you'll find that people make decisions and it hasn't worked out. The business failed. The move to that city didn't work out. I've had people move to Cape Town over the last few years because they feel A, B, C, D, and they've made a great success in Cape Town. And I've had other people come here, move to the city, and they've failed dismally. Started businesses, business went bankrupt, had to move back to the city they came from. Again, doesn't mean to say that they were all wrong and everyone, the other people were right. They made a decision. Hasn't worked out. Now, guess what? Get back on your bicycle and let's get busy again hearing God's voice in the situation. And I can guarantee you, 
you will recover all. God will restore because my God shall supply all your needs. So don't be afraid of making a decision. Now you've got to make a new decision in six months' time. Ooh, I'm still a bit hurt from the last decision I made. I'm, I'm rather never going to make a decision. No, leaders make decisions. Remember, the one group will call you a demon. The one group will call you a drunkard. Choose which one you want to be called, demon or drunkard. But guess what? They'll label you, but you make a decision. And when you make a decision, listen what the, in conclusion today, listen what the Bible says. But God's wisdom will become visible by those who embrace it. So when you make a decision, not everybody's going to embrace your decision. But when more people embrace it than reject it, people will go, oh, now we see what he meant by making that decision. Oh, now we see what he actually meant. Oh, now we see that his motive wasn't wrong. Now we see that he wasn't really being rebellious. Now, then it only makes sense. But in the initial offset or the outset of your project or your decision, it doesn't make sense to the people because they're not invested in it. They're not affected by it. They're not, it's not going to be no skin of their back if it fails or if it succeeds. And if it does succeed, well done. If it fails, gee, what a bad leader. It doesn't matter. They're going to choose a camp. Which, whichever way you're going to cut this cake, they're going to choose a side. Demon or drunkard, you decide. But you make sure that you make a decision. And Jesus says what? That God's wisdom will become visible by those who embrace it. And in his case, he was saying, when people start to accept the gospel, when people start to believe in Jesus, when people start to repent, as we saw with Peter, Peter said, you know, uh, preach the gospel. And he said, what must we do to be saved? And they said, well, repent and be baptized and 3,000 people get saved. Oh, now it makes sense. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus. This is the same Peter who walked on water and sank. This is the same Peter who cut a guy's ear off and Jesus had to restore the ear. Otherwise, he would have been himself got into big trouble. But this is the same Peter who made all these leadership mistakes. And then when he preaches the gospel after he's filled with the Spirit of God, 3,000 get saved. And everyone goes, wow, great faithful Peter. What a great leader. What a great preacher. But what about when Peter, <laughs> you know, was called Satan? by Jesus, when Jesus was busy raising him up as a leader. And I say to you, although Peter, you could have got nervous, you could have got, you know, procrastinated, said, listen, I was there. I remember, I think back of when I denied Christ and how I wept like a baby. I'm never going to make a decision again in order not to make a mistake. No. Peter makes a decision, he gets up and he preaches to 3,000 people and they get saved. So I want to say to you, you are a leader. Leaders make decisions. And leaders will always have two camps when they make decisions. Those that agree, those that disagree. They called John a demon. They called Jesus a drunkard. You decide. I'm not saying you must be labeled by people, but be rest assured, you will be labeled. Rebel, righteous. Demon, drunkard. You just decide which camp you want to be in. And if you're going to be swayed by the opinions of people, you are never going to make a decision. And I want to say to you right now, by the Spirit of God, you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They don't get reversed. They don't get taken away. It's not your gift. It was given to you. So stir up that gift, child of God. Stir up that gift, businessman. Stir up that gift, career person. Stir up that gift, husband. Stir up that gift, wife. Make a decision. Stir up that gift, student. Stir it up. It's in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You are everything that God has designed you to be. You don't need to be anything more, anything less. You make a decision and you lift your head and you look to Jesus and you surround yourself with wise counsel 
and you build a life that is going to surprise people because they don't know of the Christ that's in you and you lead strong. As a businessman, if you're going through pressure right now, if you're facing trials and tribulations, cash flow issues, you believe God. You be like those four leprous men. Let's go over there. Let's go to that seminar. Let's go to that that in Darba. Let's go to that. Let's go on Google. Let's search. Let's go on YouTube. And as you in your search, in your seek, you knock, you ask, you watch. God will be one step ahead. You'll chase that Syrian army away. You'll make people think that your business is 10 times bigger than it actually is. And they'll sign the deal with you. You go, that's a miracle. No, it's because God was one step ahead. And you're going to see that one deal you're going to sign. It's going to alleviate all that pressure. But you can't sit still now. You have to keep knocking, seeking, and asking why. Because you are a leader. And the leader will always face that dilemma. Demon or drunkard. My encouragement to you this month, make decisions. Be the leader you are and watch what God is going to do. You are called of God. You are a child of God. You are a son and a daughter of God. You are an heir of the promise of the inheritance in Christ. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Don't allow society to label you. Don't label yourself. Don't cancel yourself. Don't write yourself off. You lead, and when you lead, you will affect many people's lives. There are people waiting on the other side of your leadership choices. There are people that are sitting unemployed, and when you make a decision, it's going to stimulate the economy. It's going to create work for people because of a leader. Make those decisions leader and watch what's going to happen. Hey, listen, it was awesome being with you this month. Have a great, great February. May you experience the exceedingly abundantly above goodness of God in every area of your life. Share this episode with people if you feel it will help somebody, bless somebody, encourage somebody. I want to say to you, God loves you. God is for you. God is not against you. You lift your head leader. You stir up that gift and watch. This is going to be your greatest year yet. This is going to be the year of overflow. Not because I'm trying to emotionalize it because you are alive. And if you're alive, then God's not done. And if God's not done and God's not dead, listen, your greatest days are still ahead of you. Have an amazing, amazing month. Can't wait to be with you next month for our next episode. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Leader Breeder. Make sure to subscribe to the channel to catch the next episode every month.